0: 17, everything that you've seen, it's all there in her eyes. So many years of a poor mama's tears, and a day of sweet lies. There's nobody home, Mary Ann's alone, almost fully The and worldly wise. Jim has been down. Sad. Nothing would be good if you thought that it could But it isn't like that He don't make mistakes What he needs to takes. But Jimmy gets all the breaks Cause he knows how
1: podcast number 303, entitled Jimmy Loves Mary The reference is to the song you just heard, an excerpt of which, by Looking Glass. They are the group that had one great hit called Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, What a Good Wife You Would Make in the early 70s. And I've talked about the song before, but I love the sound, and I defy you to um, uh, come to a clear decision as to whether the lead singer in the Video, the live video of them singing Brandy, which you'll find on YouTube. It's the one live video from that period of them. Is he wearing a skirt or is he wearing widely flared bell bottoms? Important question. But the actual point of the podcast is of um, something that's very real and uh, very important for me to say. And uh, it builds a little bit on the um, podcast that I just completed on narratives. This podcast, I've already had to record another four times to get it right. As I told you yesterday, I had to record that because I'm so afraid of saying something that will be picked up and used against me in some way. I'm genuinely afraid of it. This is not good. This is not a good situation where um, someone in a position of uh, simply doing a podcast has to worry about some terrible reaction to something really quite secondary that he or she might say to make a point or to underline an idea uh, out of fear of being attacked. That is not good. And so I've noticed even today, this is the fourth time I've uh, taped this particular material, but I hope it comes out right because I really want to say something also about narratives, but something bigger and larger that actually has happened in the last 24 hours that's of immense interest to me and possibly of some real encouragement to you. It relates both to the 20 seventh chapter of the book of Jeremiah and to a ruling from the president of Harvard University that came down last night. But before I say what I'd like to say that is rooted in the scripture, I want to dedicate this podcast to Elder Harold Fuller. Elder Harold is a leading layman of City of Destiny Church in Apopka, Florida, and a man who's pastoral and biblical and um, Holy Spirit-led ministry to me personally has had enormous positive consequences and effects, and I want to thank him through this cast and uh, offer my honor to his ministry to me and to many others uh, through it as well. Now, um, what uh, happened uh, last night was that um, something important uh, of good uh, shattered a previously fixed in my opinion, negative, shackling situation that was full of narrative, as also it turned out. But the deliverance and the good issue and the positive thing that happened, um, how can I put this, uh, came from a completely unexpected source. And what I want you to hear from the cast is that your deliverance is coming, but it may not come from the in the form that... Or from the agency that your narrative of your limited understanding of life and God and the world might indicate. And yet it's coming. T. S. Eliot used to say, remember, he said it at least twice um in the Four Quartets, and I'm sure he said it in Family Reunion, the play The Family Reunion, in which he said that um the thing that the thing that I had hoped has happened but in a different way than I expected. The, the, ish, the thing happened, but in a different way. And if you follow the story of Eugene Rayburn and Lizzie uh, Hexham in the novel I mentioned last week by Charles Dickens, Our Mutual Friend, you'll see an almost um, a, a, a towering, um, superb example of a positive result in love, marriage, and relationship that happens, but through an entirely opposite and unexpected and seemingly negative external causality. This is another way of saying uh, that God uh, works often through the negative and his deliverance often comes from the last place where you would imagine it, which always preserves the providential, uh, the, the the agency uh, on his side. And it always takes away the presumed pride of agency on our side. And this is the nature of life. You have to bow to it. And then he almost always takes you where you should go, but in an uncommon way. Well, that happened last night. Last night, my friend Lawrence Stern sent me a copy of a letter that had just been sent out to alumni of Harvard College, a letter that I later received also, in which it was said that the policy of Harvard University that has been in controversial um, uh, existence and operation since the year 2017 has been dropped. The policy has been canceled because the policy which had been challenged in federal court was clearly seen in the first challenge that took place up in Boston to be a policy that could not stand. It was illegal and it would be not only contested, it would be um, ruled illegal and uh, nullified by a court. And because of the decision uh, that happened uh, a few weeks ago um, regarding the Civil Rights Act and the further um, elaborations of the Civil Rights Act, a decision which I might have had qualms about or questions about myself in my personal understanding of things, that decision was further used to bolster Harvard's backtracking of a policy which had appeared to be in favor of inclusion but was actually a highly autocratic and as it turned out malignant and really deeply um, kind of mean and underhanded way of attacking some ancient institutions which are really quite harmless and even if they're not harmless they're they're not harmful enough to have ever justified the attack on them that is based on a narrative in this case from the left, um, but narratives, as I said, I have just as much a narrative sense as anyone else, so I'm not making the content of the narrative the issue, it's the existence of narratives in you and me. Well, what what happened? What am I saying? Um, I personally am extremely uh, um, delighted with the two years that I had in a Harvard final club as an undergraduate, which were years of tremendous joy, fun, and kind of brideshead revisited at an Arcadio Aram, I was uh, happy, delighted, fun years with fellow undergraduates, and we had a blast, and lifelong friendships were solidified uh, and made delightful through shared and happy, somewhat carefree, (laughs) it's a euphemism, uh, memories, but involving no crimes, only involving fun and humor, and um, in my particular organization, which was a final club. Now, Harvard comes along, and uh, on the basis of its uh, ideology, led particularly by uh, the president, last president, Drew Faust, and the dean of students, um, these two uh, hated the final clubs. They said it, they they made no They hated it for the associative feelings they had about them from the past and they determined to wipe them out and they put sanctions such that no undergraduate could join a final club and also be the president of a varsity sport or a candidate for a a graduate scholarship such as a Rhodes or a Marshall or a John Harvard scholarship which are highly competitive and much regarded and everybody wants them including yours truly when I was there. Not a varsity sport I might add but the other. And so um, they hoped and succeeded uh, for a time in uh, destroying the pipeline of interested applicants for our single sex, as they call them, single gender organizations, which have been around for hundreds of years um, and were quite harmless And in fact, uh, I won't go into that, whether they're harmless or not, um, it was a policy aimed to destroy these institutions based on a narrative, um, a narrative specifically about uh, they used (laughs) sexual abuse charges, which proved to be false in every single case, every single case. There was sexual abuse, but the sexual abuse and the crimes, the sexual crimes that occurred at Harvard College took place in the dorms, in every case, in the houses, not in the final clubs. That, that was proven. But be that as it may, the policy was working. And I had said to Mary, you know, there's almost no place we've ever been associated with now, which has not gone tubular. Well, come to find out last night, the final clubs have uh, – the policy has been rescinded, and the final clubs are now free again to simply exist. And they don't have any formal uh, connection of the university in any event. But they're now free to exist as – what they have always been, uh, because the policy against them was judged to be illegal. Now, the uh, point being that I would never have in a million years (laughs) thought that the HELP To the final clubs would come from uh, the federal court uh, in the Massachusetts district, Boston district, Uh, nor from the, um, specifically from the Supreme Court ruling on discrimination two weeks ago. I would not have thought that they would come from that quarter because that quarter ideologically feels very much at one with the ideology of the leading spirits and official leaders of Harvard University. And yet, our freedom has been wrought by um, what appears to be an alien ideology, or at least a uh, not very freeing ideology, or let's simply call it an ideology, whatever you want to say, an ideology. And um, we've been delivered, but from this this of people who really hated us, but they've delivered us through, these, uh, through the, the court decisions. Unbelievable. In other words, Cyrus has worked um, Another, the, the, the answer has come from another source. Not only was my narrative about, of defeat and total defeat, because I couldn't see where any help was going to come, um, because uh, Drew Faust had even written into the, uh, into the laws that the new president of Harvard could not, could not uh, change the policy, this uh, sanctions policy which has now been understood to be illegal. They put a binder on his tenure that he was simply, he was not allowed to change it on his watch. Um, they bound him to a previous incumbent's Um, ideological decision and uh, yet now they had to change it because the policy was decided to be illegal and they dropped it and so um, in Jeremiah 27 We have been learning that God has spoken through Jeremiah with a very uncommon message because um, he has been saying, Jeremiah is saying, God is going to have to deliver the children of Israel, not our ideas, not our ideas of fairness or equity or rightness. God alone can do it. And he's got to do it by which he will be the one to take the credit and be the energy, the instrument, not you. Because Hananiah, the false prophet, according to Jeremiah 27, had said, behold, God will restore the uh, vessels of the temple, which were taken away during the exile to Babylon, and very soon he will restore the uh, vessels and bring them back to Jerusalem. And um, Jeremiah violently and counterintuitively, in my view, humanly speaking, in the natural, attacked Hananiah for a false prophecy, because he said what the Lord really says is, as follows. Thus says the Lord concerning the vessels, Say they shall be carried to Babylon and remain there until the day when I give attention to them, says the Lord. Then I will bring them back and restore them. In other words, they will not be brought back on your timetable, Hananiah, your sudden breakthrough, your idea of what is God's plan. They will be brought back on my timetable. I will be the one and I will, I will do it through the means by which I will work. I will choose those means. And he had completely, therefore, um, uh, said that the narrative of Hananiah, God will always meet his people's needs immediately, is too small. God is larger than that, and he has to do it his way for all sorts of reasons, primarily humility. And so when I got that letter last night from President Backoff, I said to myself, oh, my gosh, he's answered my prayer, but he's done it through the Supreme Court ruling that I myself was uncomfortable with for other reasons. Give me a break. What does that say? God has answered a prayer to deliver this particular, to me, touching and delightful institution, which has its time yet to go. It shouldn't be closed. It, it's not ready to finish, and He has delivered us through the very through an agency which from which I never would have thought it would come. <laughs> Good grief, um, and uh, that's what I learned, and that's what I want you to hear, that He is going to deliver your marriage, but He's going to deliver it in a way that's not your way. He's going to deliver your particular whatever it is, but he's going to deliver it uh, according to his way, partly to keep you humble to keep Paul humble, but also to give you hope because that that means that nothing is is forever dead i mean I've had two, two, two churches of which I've been the rector, the pastor, the senior pastor, the rector, have folded over the years, of uh, or have gone under, have become completely transformed institutionally and are no longer part of the church that I served, in the group that I served. Um, their buildings are there, but they have no connection with the organization that I thought would be there for hundreds of years, let alone a lasting legacy to Mary's and my um, gospel focus. And yet, what this says is that that could be renewed. God is not limited to my ideas about the... Uh, the um, inertia, the downward inertia of our institutions. He could even revive a denomination. <laughs> it's hard you. you have to be prepared to to to, to let God to get God to, to leave it in your mind at least, to let God handle a problem which is beyond hope, humanly speaking. But nothing is beyond hope because he'll use the agency which he chooses to use. And that's true of your marriage, that's true of your child. You know, um that's true of an illness. That's true of your finance. And that's true of the children of Israel in the, this terrible time they were in, in betwixt and between, when the very focus of their entire, their entire um, life's blood had been removed. And God said, "It'll stay a while. It'll stay a while, but it will come back." And what a what a freeing thing that is! And I saw it last night, and I wanted to present it to you, narrative schmerative. And by the way, I got a letter from Liz Tucker, uh, who's a, a Deacon uh, ordained person at All Saints Winter Park that was so encouraging to me, and that had so uh, seen that we need to really come out from this uh, shackling of our thinking and allow God to unshackle us so we can speak not out of anger, not out of resentment, not out of vengeance, not out of deep, deep dispiritedness or despair, but out of confidence that God um, will uh, remove the greatest uh, yokes from our necks. And he's doing it right now as he did it last night. Now listen to this final song. This final song uh, from uh, Are You Dreamin' Money in My Pocket? I think it's called Are You Dreamin' Money in Your Pocket? Listen to the words. Listen to it by the very unusual group Looking Glass.
0: Love you. Sweet dreams my lady if you should dream of me What kind of man would you have me be Would I be a rolling Stone, Roaming from town to town to town Would you steal my heart and make me a movie star with a fancy car and a pretty face Could you love and keep me in my place oh, would